this past week, Julie and I loaded up with a lot of our staff team and made the annual pilgrimage to the C3 conference in the Dallas-Fort Worth area with pastors Ed and Lisa Young at Fellowship Church. It's, it's always an amazing week. We get to reconnect with friends from across the country and around the world, but also to learn from other pastors and church leaders and leaders across all spectrum to, to get better at what we do all the time. It's really kind of a, a church leadership conference with a family reunion thrown in. And as a matter of fact, the Lake Hills Church family was represented incredibly well at this year's conference. I don't, I don't know if you might have seen on social media, but Pastor Ed Young interviewed one of our very own, Mark Calloway, the undertaker, was interviewed at the C3 conference this year. How cool is that? That's a very good thing. See, apparently we have a lot of golfers in here today. A little golf clap, yes. A smattering of applause. How cool is that undertaker at a church leadership conference? That's a good thing. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you something. Mark did a phenomenal job of sharing his testimony and his story of what God's done in his life. It, it was funny. It was poignant. It was incredible. Ed said, as a matter of fact, I don't know if I told you this. Ed said this was the highlight of his ministry. He said it's all downhill from this moment, getting an interview the undertaker. But it was really an incredible. And Mark actually did something really, really smart before he walked off the stage. This was, this was great. Mark asked Ed if he would invite the room full of about 2,500 pastors and church leaders from across the world to pray for him and Michelle and their family. Take a look at this picture. How cool is that? Room full of preachers praying for the undertaker, the grim reaper. I thought that was really, really pretty amazing. So it was an incredible thing. Lake Hills Church had a good week. Had a good, good week. Now, every year when we go to the C3 conference, one of the items on our C3 to-do list may not strike you as particularly pastoral or specifically spiritual, but I assure you it is. Heart 8 Barbecue is a restaurant about two miles from the back door of Fellowship Church, and it is one of those dining experiences that is absolutely transcendent. It's just, it's, it's, it's hard to put into words. When you go to Hard Eight, you get in line to order your food, kind of like you do at Rudy's, except at Hard Eight, the line actually weaves through the smoke room where they're smoking all of the barbecue. We've got a quick video to show you here. This is the room, this is standing in line at Hard Eight Barbecue. There's my man working on briskets, ribs, sausage, all that kind of stuff. And so you sit there while you're in line, that smoke is just kind of like, kind of, oh, it's hard to, hard to put into words. There's a little, as far as cold that day. So that, that was, that was, can't you just kind of, hmm. Now, the food at Heart 8 is incredible. It is really, it, it is barbecue done right. It is really, really solid. But there is a part of the experience that, that is unique. When you go to Hard Eight Barbecue and you stand in line there, when you leave Hard Eight Barbecue, you smell of smoke. It, it smells like you were the one who was in the smoker with the brisket. You know what I'm talking about? And 
my wife, Julie, is not, not necessarily fond. She loves the food, but is not so much fond of the, well, she calls it an odor. I, on the other, I call it an aroma. <laughs> I, see, I went to seminary, and I know that burnt ends equal a burnt offering. It's a, it's a spiritual thing, right? So, so we kind of have this little disagreement. We both love the food. But, man, when you come out of there, you, every fiber of your clothes, your hair, your skin for about probably 36 hours. Everywhere you go, people look at you and go, oh, you went to heart eight. How was it? Because you just carry that aroma everywhere you go. You smell of smoke. Now, for the last few weeks as a church, we've been in this teaching series called Forged, and we've been looking at how God takes us through the fires of life and through his faithfulness and our faithfulness in response to his faithfulness. He, he is with us before the fire. He is with us in the fire. And he is with us through the fire. Today we're going to see how when we come through the fire in a relationship with Christ, when, when we walk through the fire with God, we come out of the fire on the other side in such a way that we don't even smell of smoke. It is a supernatural protective covering that God gives us. Now, we will face fires. We know that. You, you, you've got to be alive about 45 minutes to experience your first fire in this world. And the longer we're alive, the more we realize fires are a part of life. Sometimes the fires can grow in intensity, the, the challenges that we face, the, the setbacks, the losses, the hurts, the wounds. All of those are, are fires that we face, but in the, in the grand plan of God's great economy, we never walk through the fire alone and we always come out the other side not smelling of smoke. Now, we're, we're better for the fire, we're hopefully wiser for the fire. We're stronger for the fire. We're more malleable, more shapeable and moldable, like Roger sang about just a few minutes ago. But we don't have to smell like smoke. The, the lens that we've used to focus this whole series has been the biblical account of the life of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Specifically, an event that occurred in their lives where they were literally thrown into an actual fire. It's not a spiritual metaphor. It's not a myth that helps us to understand some things. It is an actual event that happened in their lives. Recorded for us in the book of Daniel, chapter number 3. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, along with Daniel, were in Babylonian captivity. These Jewish youths that had been captured in Jerusalem, carted off to Babylon, which is modern-day Iraq. And there in Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were handpicked by the king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, to be governors, to be rulers of the specific city-state known as Babylon. And they were hand-chosen by Nebuchadnezzar, old King Nebi. He saw something special in Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, he asked Daniel to be his personal consultant and interpreter of dreams. But then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's newfound prominence ran up against a command of Nebuchadnezzar when he 
built a massive idol on the plain outside of the city of Babylonia. And he commanded that at the blast of the musical instruments, everybody was to bow down to this 90-foot-tall idol. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, of course, refused, understanding the spiritual implications of worshiping something or even someone other than the one true God. And when they refused, the Bible says that Nebuchadnezzar flew into such a rage that his face was contorted in his rage, and he ordered that they be thrown into the fiery furnace that he had ordered to be heated seven times hotter than usual. But something supernatural happened in that fiery furnace. Nebuchadnezzar, in his rage, wanted to see Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego immediately consumed by the flames. But when he looked into the fiery furnace, he saw them walking around inside the fire unharmed, undamaged, unscathed. And he was absolutely blown away by that. Here's how the Bible captures this moment. Check this out. Daniel chapter 3, verses 26 and 27. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stepped out of the fire. Then the high officers, the officials, the governors, and advisors crowded around them and saw that the fire had not touched them. Not a hair on their heads was singed, and their clothing was not scorched. They didn't even smell of smoke. They didn't even smell of smoke. You can't go to Hard Eight Barbecue and not smell of smoke. They walked out of the fiery furnace and were completely untouched. Even their clothes and their hair didn't smell of smoke. Now, I know for, for some people, maybe if you're new to the things of faith or you're checking things out and kicking the tires, this may seem really far-fetched. There may be part of you that's kind of like, mm, I don't know about it. You may even be thinking, yeah, that did not happen. And listen, I understand your skepticism. I, I, think, I think your skepticism is actually really well-placed. This is a great place to ask great questions. But let me just suggest to you, if you are skeptical, first of all, don't slide into being cynical. Just kind of stay at skeptical for a second. And if you are skeptical, remember that we, we're talking about the God of the universe, the King of kings, the creator of everything. God was the one who created everything and established the natural order. So if he established the natural order, by definition, he is able to suspend the natural order and intervene in a supernatural way for supernatural purposes. I don't think any of us, Christian, non-Christian, tire kicker, wherever you may be on the spiritual spectrum, none of us would be so arrogant as to assert that if I can't understand it, then it must not happen. If it's not explainable to me in terms that I understand, then that's just a farce and a phony. <laughs> Nobody's going to be that arrogant. Really? So we, we actually believe that this actually happened because we're talking about God. He can do whatever he wants, whenever he wants. Part of what we've seen throughout this series is the sovereignty and the goodness of God no matter what the circumstances are around our lives. And so when they pulled, when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego walked out of the fire, they didn't even smell a smoke. The, the message being that 
that no matter what you do, no matter where you go, when you come through the fire that God brings you through, you're faithful before the fire, you're faithful in the fire, and you're faithful through the fire, then you come out the fire not smelling like smoke. You, you come out unsinged, unburned. Now, the reality is, the truth is, you can, it is possible to survive some fires on your own. You, you can absolutely go through the fires alone. You don't have to go through with God. You don't have to go through with, with two friends. You, you can choose to try to face the fire all on your own. But you need to understand that apart from the supernatural protection and healing power of God's Holy Spirit, you will come out of a fire that you face alone smelling like smoke. You will come out of a fire singed and burned. It, you, will, you will kind of be putting off that aroma, that, that scent. Like, man, somebody, have you ever, have you, I, this has happened to me. I, I was grilling one night at home, and we, we have like one of those Kamado Joe, you know, uh, like big green egg smoker grills at home. They're phenomenal. But nobody had told me when I first got this thing that when you, you know, you get the fire going and you, you put the lid down and then you kind of close all the dampers to shut the fire down and bring the temperature down. When you open it back up, it has built up pressure inside of it. And, and there's an air pressure. It's not that funny. When you, when, you, when you open the lid, the first time this happened to me, I'll never forget it. Fireball came out of my face. I was like, whoa, you know, fire at your face is kind of scary. I don't care how big and bad you are. I was like, whoa. And then I was like, okay, I'm fine. I'm okay. I'm okay. And so I went back to, you know, preparing the meal for the family. And, and I was getting, and I was like, something smells funny. And I, was, I put everything on the grill and got the temperature right where I wanted it. Went inside and I said, hey, the steaks will be ready in about eight minutes. Julie looked at me, she went, what happened to you? I was like, what do you mean? Because you don't have any eyebrows. And, and the tops of your hair looks like you got them frosted and dyed at the, at the barber shop. Or the beauty shop, whatever. I don't frost the tips. I went and looked in the mirror. I had no hair on my eyebrows. And, and the tops, have you ever singed a rope so it doesn't unravel? That's what all of my hairs look like right here. I'm glad you're amused. That's really nice. And I was fine. But, but for a while, like I'll be honest with you, I didn't enjoy dinner that night. You know, a lot of your sense of taste comes from your sense of smell. I, I kept smelling burned hair, singed. If you walk through the fire alone, You'll be putting out smoke signals. You'll be, you'll be transmitting smoke signals to the people around you. And, and I want to just, just mention to you four smoke signals to be aware of, to, to, to think about, could this be maybe the fact that I, I'm still maybe not completely through the fire in a way that God would have me be? Number one, first smoke signal is bitterness. Bitterness. If you're, if you're holding on to an offense, 
And, and let's be honest. Sometimes it's fun to hold on to an offense, isn't it? Sometimes we just like to. It's like, listen, I can forgive anytime I want to. But right now, I'm enjoying being mad at this person. Well, that, was, that was eight months ago. You shut up. I'm having fun. But we, we, sometimes we hold on to that bitterness. You know how you know if you're holding on to bitterness? If you're looking for opportunities for revenge? If you're looking for opportunities to share how another person hurt you or wronged you? Like, you know, just, I, I, hope, I hope they ask me about her. I hope they bring up her name. Because listen, I'm gonna tell let me tell you about her. Let me tell you what her did to me. I'm gonna tell you about her. That's that's a great indication. And maybe you don't say it out loud, but inside you're just thinking, hmm. <laughs> and you're you're holding on to that bitterness. A second smoke signal is anger. Anger. And it may not be anger directed at the person who has wronged you or the people who have wronged you. It may be just anger that is misdirected, that you, you overreact or disproportionately respond. You know what I'm talking about? This is, this is one of my pet peeves in the world. This is, just, this is a Mac problem I'm going to share with you, okay? It drives me absolutely batty. When people drive below the speed limit in the left lane, the left lane, I'm, I'm sharing my heart in a problem, okay? The left lane is the passing lane. Here's how this problem manifests in my life. As I'm driving down the road behind somebody in, let's say, a, I don't know, 60 mile an hour speed zone. Let's say, hypothetically, on BK's Road. <laughs> and the person in front of me is going less than 45 miles an hour. Now, this is not a life or death situation. My children are safe. We've got plenty to eat. God is still God. And yet, for some reason, when I'm behind this person, and they finally, you, you can see the light come on. And they just, oh, I should be over here. And they change lanes, and I'm able to go the speed limit that God wants me to go, and I drive past them. My, my tendency, I've noticed this about myself, my tendency is to glare at them as I drive by them. <laughs> When I say that I've noticed this about myself, it's because Julie pointed it out to me. And, and, I, and I, I look at them like, hopefully communicating through my eyes, only my eyes, what the heck, as I blow past them at the speed limit. I'm going to tell you, Jesus probably would not handle that situation the same. <laughs> I don't deserve that lane right there. Have you, have you ever seen somebody driving too slow and as you go past them, you see that they're on their phone? Which is breaking the law. 
Have you ever thought about like calling the sheriff and saying, there's a car on Bee Caves right now. The driver is on the phone. Maybe that's just me. But see, I'm, I'm reacting. I'm overreacting. I'm responding disproportionately to something that's really not a life or death situation. That can be an indication that maybe you haven't resolved some, some anger somewhere. Just hashtag just saying. A third smoke signal is negativity. Negativity. Have you ever been around people who are just, just negative? I remember a few years ago, Oprah still had her TV show, and one year for Christmas, she gave the entire studio audience cars, automobiles, like brand new cars. Everybody's getting cars. I mean, it was awesome. Well, the media went nuts. Oprah's unbelievable. She should run for president. And they were interviewing people who had just gotten cars. And I will never forget this one guy. They stuck a microphone in his face, and he said this. Well, I mean, it's fine and all, but I'm going to have to pay taxes on that thing now. She gave you a car. I'm going to pay tax. You got a car, bruh. It, some, sometimes, just without even realizing it, we, we can get so negative. We, we, can, we, can, we can snatch pessimism from the jaws of optimism without even trying. But a lot of times that negativity shows us that maybe we're still feeling the results of a, of a wound or a hurt, maybe, maybe from back in the past. The fourth smoke signal is withdrawal, withdrawal. Where we, where we withdraw from really connecting with other people, especially the people closest to us, stonewalling, that, that's a sign that, that something, that, that we've still got some smoke on us from somewhere. And, and we, we can laugh about these things because sometimes, you know, we all recognize ourselves in some of these or all of them. But the reality is walking around smelling like smoke is not funny. And that's why... That's why we are such big fans of Christian, biblically-based counseling. If you, if you notice that you, you're sending up some smoke signals, it, it may mean that you need to go talk to somebody that can help you figure it out. You know, let, go back to bitterness for a second. That, the, the, the capacity to forgive it is a huge life skill. And if, if you can't forgive, or, or maybe you keep coming back to the same offense over and over and over and over again, go talk to somebody who understands Scripture and a, a God-centered life, but also understands our minds and our psyches and the way we think, the way that we feel, so that they can help you process that. If you don't have a Christian, biblically-based counselor on your speed dial, call our office. We have a list of them that we have vetted that we have run through the ringer? Because, listen, there are some quack-a-doodle-doo people out there that you can go see or talk to that will not help. You need to get Christian counseling. Jesus Christ is the great physician. And, and I understand that for a lot of people, like, oh, I don't want to go to a counselor. But understand that that is so unhealthy 
to not go get help when you're unhealthy. If you broke your leg, you, I mean, if you, want, if you witnessed somebody break their leg, you, and they stood up and went, you know what, I'm just going to run that off. <laughs> You'd be like, hey, bruh, it's a bad idea. I heard, I heard it crack. It, your leg's broken. Go get help. Go get that set. Somehow there's this, we, we need to eliminate. Somebody tells you they're going to see a counselor, you go, man, that's awesome. That's great. Way to go. Good, God bless you. That's a courageous move. Now, th there, are, there are also signs of a non-smoker. There are also these things in our lives that show that we, we have gotten through it, and there, there's evidence that we've come through the fire with God. Number one is forgiveness. The ability to forgive, to choose to not hold on to an offense. That's what forgiveness is. A lot of times we, we withhold forgiveness because we think, I'm going to teach him a lesson. It's not your job to teach anybody a lesson. That's God's job. Forgiveness is a gift you give yourself. It's not something you give to somebody else. A lot of times, they don't even need to know that you forgave them. If they ask you to, man, that's awesome. Then you've got a shot at restoring and repairing the relationship and reconciliation. But forgiveness is a choice that you make irrespective of somebody else's actions or non-actions. Forgiveness. Number two is peace. The peace that passes all understanding. You're just, there's, there's a peace in people's lives who have been through the fire with God. They, they've, they've been through the fire, but there's, there's a peace about them. It's kind of like, hey, I, I've been through the fire. I, I've seen God's faithfulness. I've seen his goodness. You, I, I can take anything life throws at me. I don't want to. I don't go looking for fires. But I, with God's help, I can handle anything. Number three, there's a hope and a joy. People who go through the fire with God have a hope. They, they know that God has brought them through. They know that there's something better on the other side. And they're hopeful. They're joyful. Hope and joy. And number four, instead of withdrawal, it's engagement. People who don't smell like smoke are engaged. They connect with those closest to them especially. But they lean into life. They, they go back to work. They, they get back to living after the fire. These signs that we're non-smokers. Look at, look at how Nebuchadnezzar responded to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego coming out of the fire. Daniel chapter 3, verse 28. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now this, this is a non-God guy. Nebuchadnezzar was a, a polytheistic potentate. He sent his angel to rescue his servants who trusted in him. They defied the king's command and were willing to die rather than serve or worship any god except their own. Their obedience, their faithfulness resulted in the faith of Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar, this this narcissist, this rageaholic, 
he began to worship their God. Now, just as a little aside, spoiler alert, Nebuchadnezzar did not get it all figured out day one. As a matter of fact, the very next verse says that he said, if anyone speaks poorly about the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they shall be torn limb from limb and their houses reduced to rubble. So he wasn't home yet, but he was on his way. <laughs> but when you, when I go through the fire with God, when we are faithful before the fire, in the fire, and through the fire, people around us notice. When you come through the fire and you say, but God took me through the fire. I, I, don't, I didn't know if our marriage would survive, but God. I, I didn't know if I would survive going through that pain, that loss, but God. I didn't know. I, I didn't know what was, what was going to happen on the other side, but God had been so faithful up to that point, I knew he wasn't going to leave me hanging. But God, other people take note. Other people look at your life and like, man, I, I, don't, I don't know that I, I could have handled that like she did. I, I don't know that I would have responded like he did. What? There's something different about, about your life. What, what, what is it? But God. But, but God did this. I told you last week that we were, we were going to come back to something this week. Remember when, when Nebuchadnezzar threw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace, and he looked in, he noticed that not only were they walking around, but there was a fourth figure in the fire. This is what the Bible says. Look, Nebuchadnezzar shouted, I see four men unbound walking around in the fire unharmed, and the fourth looks like a god. Now that phrase in the original language, looks like a god, it can be, it can be translated like a god, it can be translated like a son of the gods. It's, it's kind of problematic. You know, sometimes words between languages can, can kind of shift a little bit. And so it's not exactly clear what Nebuchadnezzar was describing. He certainly wasn't a theologian at this point. It wasn't like he knew what he was looking at. He just said, I just see four walking in the fire that we had thrown three into. And so some theologians have hypothesized that that might have actually been Jesus in the Old Testament appearing, that it would have been a, an appearance of Christ before his birth. It's possible. We, we don't know. Others have said it's, it's an angel or a messenger of God who was sent to walk with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego through the fire. It's, it's not clear what the answer is except for this, that they did not walk alone. They didn't walk through the fire alone. They, they had help. First of all, they had the help of each other. Can you imagine if it had just been Shadrach in the fiery furnace? It wasn't. He, he, had, his, he had his three bros with him. His, his soul brothers. But then when they were thrown in the fire, there was a fourth figure there. Every bit of the Bible 
finds its focus in Jesus. From Genesis to Revelation, way over here at the beginning in, in Genesis, Adam and Eve are pointing us towards Jesus. Moses and the Ten Commandments are pointing us toward Jesus. Israel, as a nation, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the kings of Israel, pointing us towards, is, towards Jesus. The Psalms and, and the book of Job and Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, the Song of Solomon, all of the wisdom literature are all pointing us toward Jesus. The prophets are, of course, certainly pointing us toward Jesus. And then in the New Testament, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, those just tell the story of the life of Jesus. Acts, the establishment of Jesus' church, is about Jesus. Paul's letters, Romans, 1 and 2 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, all of it points us towards Jesus. Revelation, the return of Jesus, is about Jesus. Even Daniel in the Old Testament, one of the prophets, is ultimately about Jesus. Who it was specifically in the fire is ultimately a type, a, a typology of what is to come in Jesus himself. That in Christ, we never walk through the fire alone. In Christ, we always have help. In Christ, we always have protection. In Christ, there is always hope. In Christ, there is always life. This is who he is and what he does. And so when we come to the fire, when we face the fire, we stay faithful through the fire in response to his faithfulness. You see, Jesus went through the fire. When Jesus died on the cross, the Bible says that he became my sin. He became your sin. Everything that we've ever done that we're ashamed of, everything that we've ever done that has taken us away from a relationship with God that we were created for, Jesus took on himself on the cross. And as such, he paid the penalty for my sin, for your sin. Jesus spiritually, literally, actually went through hell so that you don't have to. So that I don't have to. You want to talk about going through the fire? Jesus experienced the loss of every earthly relationship. He experienced separation and isolation from God the Father because of my sin. Because of everything I've ever done. Because of everything you've ever done. But then he got up from the dead. Then he got up out of the grave and he walked out of there and the stone was rolled away so that whoever believes in him will never die but will have eternal life. The life that is truly life. Yes, eternally, but starting right here and right now. And if you've never taken hold of that life, the good news is that it's available. It, it is literally there for the taking. And so in just a moment, if you've never taken hold of that life. We want to give you the opportunity to do that. It, it starts with a prayer of commitment, a prayer of beginning. And, and some people say, well, if God already knows my thoughts, why do I have to tell him? Great question. 
It's about engagement. God desires engagement with you, with me. He wants to connect personally. So you, you connect with somebody by, by talking to them, by sharing your heart with them. It's a relationship. It's not about rules and regulations. It's a relationship. I want to ask you, if you will, bow your heads for just a moment. For just a, a brief moment, if you've never taken hold of that relationship, then we invite you to do that. Just praying right now, right where you are. Just silently talk to God and say something like this. Say, Jesus, I need you. I need you. And so I confess my sin to you, holding nothing back. And Lord, I claim your forgiveness that I know I need. And right here, right now, I give my life to you. I will follow you, your leadership. with everything that I have. Lord, I pray this prayer in your name. Just for a second, I want to ask you to remain with your heads bowed because this is a sacred moment. So nobody moving or, or stirring in any way for just a second more, please. But if you just prayed that prayer, this is the greatest moment of your life. And as a church, we, we have the privilege, we have the responsibility to help with what's next. Because there is very definitely a what's next. This is just the beginning. And so I want to ask you, if you will, those of you who just prayed that prayer of commitment at the beginning, if you would right now, just quietly, just take the program that you got when you came in and start filling that out. Open it up there to the connect card inside. Fill it out. There's a place about a third of the way down that page that says, I committed my life to Christ this week. And then once you've completed that card, you can just fold it along the fold back and forth and tear it off along the perforation. And before you leave, I want to ask you to please, please hand that card to one of our ushers or our hosts. If you want to, you can give it to someone underneath at the, at the hub, out underneath the big front porch. But it's too important to leave this moment sitting in the seat. Second thing I want to ask you to do, as you complete that card, as our heads are bowed for just another moment, would you just quietly but unmistakably raise your hand, just raise your hand up high over your head for just a moment, because your hand in the air is a big deal. It stamps this moment in your life, but also in the life of this church. Because there's nothing more important to us than this moment in your life. There's a lot of other important stuff. But this right here is why we get up and go every day. And so as a family, a family of faith, as you put your hands down, we're going to put our hands together just to tell you, welcome home. Welcome home.